Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. WrestleMania 26 was the last match featuring somebody known as Shawn Michaels. And I'm sure you're thinking, oh, I remember another one. But you don't. Any memory you have in your brain is a facade. It's not real. It's fake. WrestleMania 26 was the last match of the Heartbreak Kid. And I won't hear it any other way. So you see how easy it is to make mistakes and don't worry about it. We all do it. And even though Shawn Michaels versus The Undertaker was going to headline this show... Look at the poster. Who's front and centre? Of course it's John Cena. And when we have a look at Shawn Michaels, he just looks really happy like he's just been offered free pizza. Whereas The Undertaker, that dude is mad. Maybe Shawn Michaels took his pizza. It is a monster of a pay-per-view though, live from the University of Phoenix Stadium in front of around about 70,000 people. And it did a buy rate of 885,000 buys. But that doesn't mean that it's good and it also doesn't mean that it's bad. Only this knows that, the finger of power. Hello, welcome to What Culture Wrestling. My name is Cy Miller and it's time to retro up those downs for WrestleMania 26. Fantasia the singer opens up WrestleMania 26 with a lovely rendition of America the Beautiful. And I thought given that WrestleMania does do this every single year, maybe you and I should do it as well. So clear your throat. <laughs> Join in with me. Are you ready? Three, two, one, go. <laughs> what are you doing? What are you doing? Sit your ass down. We ain't doing that, honestly. You also get your mania over the top video package with every single person looking at the camera like this. And do not forget, if you take away the music and all the pageantry here, it's actually the funniest thing you've ever seen in your life. There's also the line, championships around their waist. You cannot, you cannot use the word waste in any kind of video like this. The word waste is not cool. We're also well into the stadium era here of WrestleMania. So the first thing you do do is look at it and go, well, hey, that looks great. But then Michael Cole goes, this is the magnificence of entertainment's Greatest live event. I stared at my television for ages going, what What just came out of his mouth? People don't talk like that. Thankfully, we then get into our first match. And hands up if you do not remember this. Because it's R-Truth and John Morrison or Johnny Nitro, whatever the hell his name was, taking on the big show in the mid. The big show in the Miz. 
when the flood did happen. And of course, this is show Miz, and that's when I did remember, and I was like, oh man, this is a really bad time. And you get the entirety of R-Truth's entrance. And never forget, when you do get the entirety of R-Truth's entrance, it's basically him going, well, now I'm over here. Now I'm over there. Where I'm going next? Oh no, it is a bear. And seriously, what the hell is he smoking? Because I want some of it. This event happened over 10 years ago, and our truth quite literally has not aged at all. It's the same for John Morrison, who kind of looks identical, so that doesn't make any sense. And just to be completely honest with you, because why would I lie? This is not the best opener in WrestleMania history. And like, it is okay, but because we've fallen into a pattern these days when the opening match at Mania can be as good as the main event, when you get one like this, you kind of just go, eh, well, it's all right, I suppose. I don't really know what's going on. And additionally, because the Big Show and Miz come out together, you have to sit through their entrance theme, which is basically the Big Show, awesome, I came to play the Big Show. That's like, I'm going to kill someone. I can't handle it. WWE, if you are going to make a new tan team, for the love of everything, give them new music. What really hurts is that it only goes three minutes, even though the WWE tag team titles are on the line. And doesn't that just sum up how WWE sees a tag team division? John Morrison also goes to Starship Pain at one point, and the Big Show pulls the Miz out the ring so early that when Johnny Boy decides to carry it on, it's like, well, you meant to be the good guy, I think. It wasn't made very clear, and now you look like a fool. Later on, he goes for a springboard too, but he hasn't noticed that the Big Show has blind tagged himself in, so he gets punched right in the face when he is on the ropes. Big Show makes the pin, and that's that. They steal your tag team champions. And this is a real lackluster start. Down. What follows those is kind of one of those matches that's gone down as a sliding doors moment in professional wrestling. Because it is Randy Orton versus Ted DiBiase versus Cody Rhodes after their group known as Legacy had broken up. And just imagine that Randy Orton hadn't have won this, maybe Cody Rhodes was given the ball, or Ted DiBiase, the landscape in 2021 could be vastly different to how it is. And it mostly is DiBiase and Rhodes whipping the ass of their former mentor before WWE asks the most original and unique of questions, well, how are these two going to be able to coexist? And the answer is, they're not going to be able to coexist because as soon as Ted DiBiase trying to get a pin, Cody Rhodes break it up, and then Cody Rhodes trying to get a pin, and Ted DiBiase trying to break it up. And I just want to go to him and say, did you not discuss this backstage? Are you this crap? at being a team, even though it is a triple threat match, you didn't say, well, who's going to win? I will worry about it out there. Nobody would do that stupid. Because they are arguing constantly too, Randy just gets to his fit and goes, all right, well, now I'm going to beat you up. He gives them the double draping DDT. This must have been one of the first times he did it because people go absolutely crazy. He punts Cody in the head. He hits Ted DiBiase with the RKO and he pins him. And that's that. And there's nothing wrong with this, but man, one of the other guys absolutely should have won. (laughs) <laughs> it's 2010. I'm living in 2021. I ain't going to go back and say, oh, this person should have been pushed over that person. I got real problems to worry about. I mean, look at my flubbing hair. That's a fine matchup. Jillian Hall was then backstage doing that singing gimmick. And actually, if you watch this on the WWE Network, you will not find it. I presume because it's an advert, so it's been removed. Thankfully, I do my research and I hunted it down. But my word, do I regret that? Because this gimmick, and I get the idea, it's meant to piss you off. When you have someone pretending to be Britney Spears, especially in 2010, going, and making noises like a strangled cat, well, it makes me want to turn off. Thankfully, Santina Morella then pops up, and he's got a Slim Jim. But this is one of those skits at WrestleMania that very quickly goes completely off the rails. Because after one bite, Gillian turns into Mean Gene Oakland. Then after another bite, he turns into Mae Young. And then Santina Morella has another bite. And it's then Mean Gene, but he's now in the dress that Mae Young was wearing. 
And I got worried that somebody had spiked my drink. We get one final chomp and then Melina appears. And this is when Santino and her just go skipping off down the corridor. And once more, I suppose it was quite funny. Like it did make me laugh. But I was also a bit like, I don't know what the hell is going on. In at number three on the card two is the Money in the Bank ladder match. And I've said this before, but I'll say it again. Man, do I miss this stipulation chaos being on the WrestleMania card. It just added so much to it. It gave it a certain gravitas. You also get, and I'm going to have to read this because it's such a random collection of names. MVP, Evan Bourne, Kofi Kingston, Shelton Benjamin, Dolph Ziggler, Matt Hardy, Drew McIntyre, Christian and Jack Swagger. And for the purposes of this video, we need to focus on Jack. Before you see 11 years ago, I really saw something in Jack Swagger. I don't know what it was, but I found him really entertaining. And I supported him no matter what. Until we got to WrestleMania 26. And what do I mean? Well, I used to frequent a little wrestling show known as the Ministry of Slam, which is now back on the air and you should absolutely check it out. And when we were making our predictions for this match, even though I'd spent months, months I tell you, going, oh man, Jack Swagger, that Jack Swagger trainer fan is going to roll into the station. I didn't pick him, and then if you've never seen this event, he won. So I abandoned him at the first hurdle, and I still feel bad about this. <laughs> no, I don't. That's not true. Why the hell would I care? But I said it for effect. And you already know the deal with this, but good grief, is it nuts? I mean, people are using ladders as weapons. People are being thrown through ladders. There's ladder bridges that people also get hurled through. At one point, Kofi Kingston gets two, like, smaller ladders, and he's using them as stilts. And that doesn't make any sense. And it's just all the wildest thing you've ever seen in your life, especially when Drew McIntyre tries to climb up the ladder. That is fantastic because every single person in this building hates him. They can't stand him. I don't know whether that's because he was meant to be a heel or because Vince McMahon said, hey, pal, you're going to be my chosen one. But if you had told me that this was Drew McIntyre's twin brother, I would have believed you. It is so different. And soon after that, too, I suppose we have to say the ladder match clacks and went off. Ha! Huh? Because everybody just hits as many moves and they cause as much carnage as they possibly can for three minutes it is just go 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 and it gets worse and it gets worse and it gets worse and i'm sat there enjoying every single second and i had an out-of-body experience i'm like what is wrong with me i am entertained by these guys trying to kill themselves hardy and christian almost have the briefcase when christian hits a reverse ddt from the top and i was just dying with laughter because michael cole goes twist of fate twist of fate even though it's christian that starts climbing the ladder again but when he does get to the top jack swagger reappears from nowhere he knocks him off and then he tries to get the briefcase and he tries to unhook it a little bit more and he tries a little bit more you start looking at everybody else going why aren't they getting up something has gone wrong here and then flub me jack swagger finally gets it and we could all calm down so yes that's right swagger does become mr money in the bank and while we know what's going to happen here once more we don't have to care about that now I just regret not backing him. But hey-ho, this is how we learn, and this is really good. I mean, when wasn't it good at WrestleMania? Up. We get the Hall of Fame ceremony recap afterwards, which is always very fun to watch, because you get the music. And you know the rest, I'm not going to sing it before we move in to Triple H versus Sheamus. And man, do I remember the controversy around this at the time, because of course, Sheamus should have won this match. That just makes all the sense in the world. It's like if you beat a John Cena or you beat an Undertaker or back in the day you beat a Hulk Hogan at the biggest show of all, fans start going, well, I should watch this person because what a terrific victory. But much like earlier, we don't have to care about that now because Triple H has gone on to become a legend of all legends and Sheamus has had an absolutely brilliant career. And I swear, we are not going to appreciate him until he is gone. We're going to look back and go, man, that Irishman, he was damn good. Because the point is, when you do just watch this match for it, being a match 
I actually really enjoyed it because it's just two massive jacked up dudes kicking the other person's ass. I mean, they brawl to the outside almost instantly. They're using the stairs. You get finish, kick out, finish, kick out, finish, kick out. And maybe more importantly than all of that, the fans love it. They totally buy Triple H as the mega super devil star. They totally buy Sheamus as the brand new, oh my gosh, we got to watch him heal. And that just means pro wrestling works. It does soon to resort to the whole Hunter keeps going for the pedigree, but Sheamus is like, nah, fella, I don't want to take the pedigree. And of course, Triple H kicks out of the bro kick, which wasn't even known as the bro kick at the time. However, had anybody been able to kick out of this before WrestleMania 26? No, they had not. So we did save it for the game, and yeah, yeah, I get it, I know. The ending is a bit odd too, because after Sheamus has hit another bro kick, Triple H is basically knocked out, and Sheamus takes around about 52 years to try and pin him, which yes, means he's still trying right now. When Trips just gets back to his feet, I presume he was playing possum, he hits the pedigree, and he gets the one, two, three. And I audibly went, And I suppose it was done to underline the fact that Triple H was beaten, but the inexperience of Sheamus meant he didn't capitalize on it. I mean, I'm really trying to stretch the lens of my imagination here, but it's fine. It doesn't really feel like a WrestleMania match. I give you that one, but as you can already tell, I'm giving it an up. Sometimes I just like seeing big wrestlers do big things. Also, if you need one final justification, Sheamus comes out to his whole, it's a shameful thing, lobster herd theme, which has to come back yesterday. I miss it. And then got a little bit sad. Not because I realized that we're all mortal and one day we're going to die. No, it was nothing to do with that. It was that we were getting CM Punk versus Rey Mysterio on a WrestleMania. And I got all excited deep down in my tum-tum. And then it clocked out in six minutes. Now, one of the reasons for this is because beforehand, Punk gets a cut promo and he is doing his whole straight edge society stuff here. And my word, was he good at that? And boy, do the fans hate him. I'm surprised they didn't hate Rey Mysterio when he turned up because he was dressed like Avatar, but whatever. The best part of that entrance, though, is Rey Mysterio's trampoline shooter thing, whatever it is, didn't work. So instead of coming hurtling out the stage, he has to crawl out of the tunnel. And it's not funny. That must have been terrible for him at the time. But because I'm a bad, bad person, man, it made me juggle. Luke Gallows and Serena Deeb are also out with their masters, so of course they keep interfering, including at one point when Deeb is just choking Rey Mysterio as he's upside down. But honestly, these two guys are just such good wrestlers. And while their styles are completely different, they just mesh together so well. There's also this really cool bit where Serena stopped Punk getting hit with a 619 because she just drapes herself over him. And that really does make it feel like some sort of a cult. And yeah, I mean, fair enough. Ray then just does hit the 619 and the splash and he gets the three. But again, they had to do this in six minutes. What do you want? And really, when you look at that time limit, I don't know how they got so much into such a short space of time, but I will forever stand by the fact they deserve more than I am giving them enough. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. 
Before we go any further, though, this show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Now, we all carry around different stresses. They can be big life worries or just, you know, little things like your favorite wrestler not being used properly. The thing is, when we keep them bottled up, it really can start to affect us negatively. Therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever is weighing you down. It is really helpful, too, for learning positive coping skills and how to set boundaries. Therapy basically empowers you to be the best version of yourself. So why not give better help? a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and best of all, suited to your schedule. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash whatculture today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash whatculture. And in many ways, the opposite is true for what came next because it's Bret Hart versus Vince McMahon. Now, I want to make it very clear that I truly believe that Bret Hart is the best there is, the best there was, and the best there ever will be. You can go back and watch nearly any single match from the past and go, wow, this would hold up today because he just knew what he was doing. But really, in hindsight, we should not have done this. I mean, by this point, Bret was still suffering with his concussion issues and, of course, had had a stroke. So how he was even able to get to the ring, I don't know. But the real kicker is that I remember this going on for about half an hour, but it doesn't. It actually finishes in 11 minutes, which kind of sums it up. And the real shame with this, too, is that WWE felt the need to add to a story that already had enough drama. I mean, all you had to do was play off the Montreal screw job. But Bret Hart was getting involved in car crashes and the Hart family turned on him or something. It was just overthinking the point, and once again, it just makes me sad. You also do get all this nonsense beforehand when my man is all like, oh my gosh, Brute Hart is here, and Natalia is here, and TJ Kidd is here, and blah, 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 blah. And you're meant to think that they're on Vince McMahon's side, but of course they're not, because it's a screw job, and they join Brett, and then after it, honestly, it's just 10 minutes of everybody kicking Vince McMahon's ass. And after around about three, you start going, I feel a little bit sorry for this old man because this is just 10 minutes of him kicking his ass. And once again, legally, Hart can't do much because of the insurance claim that he made, which is why at one point he's just sitting on a chair. And basically, it just ends when he puts Vince McMahon in the sharpshooter and you want to like it and you want to be there for him, but you just can't. And also, talking about entrance themes, Bret Hart comes out to the new version of the Hart Foundation music. Why did we do that? I mean, all we wanted was that classic thing from the early 90s. So none of this gets together and it's getting it down. I think WWE may have had an inkling that it could have gone this way though, which is why beforehand they had Punk versus Rey Mysterio and after they had Chris Jericho versus Edge for the World Heavyweight Championship, because this is a damn good match. They do have to overcome quite a quiet crowd who are probably sat there going, what on earth did we just see? Which is why within two minutes, Jericho just pushes Edge off the apron and he goes crashing through the announce table. And then they're like, oh my gosh, it's violence. And they start to cheer. They're then just reversing each other's finishes because the Rated R superstar goes for a spear, but he ends up in the walls of Jericho. And then somehow Edge is able to reverse that into the most devastating move in all the sports entertainment, the surprise roll up. And you're just watching this like wrestling tennis and you're like, yes, do it. The low point is after this, Edge starts going, Spear, spear, spear. And the 70,000 fans do not want to get involved, so it's incredibly awkward. But once again, he goes for it. Chris Jericho reverses it into the code breaker. 
you really should go watch this right now. That also ends in a great near fall and it pisses Jericho off so much, he's like, right, I'm going to get that title and I'm going to smash it into his head. But because there's some shenanigans here, he accidentally knocks out the referee. So then he's able to hit Edge in the head. And by the time the referee gets up, he goes one, he goes two, and Edge kicks out of the last minute. You're like, oh my gosh, that was so well done. So Chris then instantly hits the code breaker and beats Edge anyway. So I was like, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Wrestling match meant to peak and make me go, oh, and make you excited. And then this just ended. And I, I felt like I'd hit skip. I felt like I missed something and I around it, but no, this is how it ends. It really takes the wind out of the sails. And I think once again, everybody must have realized this because the last thing we see is Edge taking Chris Jericho, putting him on the final announce table and he runs across one, he runs across two and he spears Jericho off it right through Barry Barricade. The fans go absolutely nuts. And of course the feud has to continue. But I was like, why didn't that happen in the match? Why we're doing it now, it's WrestleMania. And also if you are gonna do that title shot, just have that be the ending. I mean, it gives Edge an easy out. Some metal went right into his head, but this is a minor, minor gripe and it's getting it up. I'm going to have to read what came next to you again because it's just so many people. I think there's 10 in total. But Michelle McCall, Layla, Vicky Guerrero, Meese, Alicia Fox, Mickey James, Beth Phoenix, Kelly Kelly, Gail Kim and Eve Torres just get dealt the worst hand ever. And I appreciate the fact that WWE wants to get as many of their talent onto the show. But this goes three minutes and I don't want to be that guy, but you can just tell that the powers that be didn't really care. Down. It means I have to rush and go 100 miles an hour and the tag cracks and ah, goes off almost instantly. So you get big move, big move, big move. When it gets to the last big move, I don't really know what to say. Now it is important to remember that Vicky Guerrero is not a wrestler. So the fact she did this to begin with is amazing, but she climbs to the top rope and she's about to hit a big splash on Kelly Kelly. But instead she kind of just jumps to the canvas and then falls down. And I get it, I get it, right? The top rope is terrifying. I laughed, all right? I'm admitting it, I laughed. It then gets even worse because one of Kelly's shoulders comes off the mat because WWE officials are told to call things like a shoot. He has to stop, so then we have to recalibrate and make sure both her shoulders on the mat in order to get the three. And this is just a little bit of a slog. It's very hard to get through and it's none of their fault. I mean, everything was stacked against them. But if you do decide to watch WrestleMania 26, maybe you want to skip past this. You then get the main event of WrestleMania. That's what I would be saying if Triple H versus Randy Orton from the previous year didn't go completely off the rails. Because of course, back then, WWE had decided to put the WWE title match on last, which makes all the sense in the world, even though they had Undertaker versus Shawn Michaels round one. And after they had basically had one of the best matches in WrestleMania history, Randy Orton and Triple H came out there and they could do nothing. However, we moved forward 12 months and everybody had learned. It is a big contest though, because it is WWE champion Batista taking on John Cena, who were basically the two faces of the company at the time. And we were knee deep into the whole, let's go Cena, Cena sucks era. So it really does have a lot of noise. I mean, it's so intense to have a line of fans in the front row, all who are wearing I hate Cena shirts. And back in 2010, there were a lot of rumors that WWE would take some signs away and you could do that, but you ain't taking away clothes. Nobody wants naked fans. I also think these two are just desperate to have a big time match because they are going so hard. I guess they wanted to prove to people they deserve to be in this spot. But my word, Batista gives John Cena a DDT and 
He just conks him right on his head. To the point you can even hear John Cena going, I need a minute. I need a minute. Because clearly he's gone loopy. I mean, who wouldn't be? We also kick out as many finishes as possible because that's just what we do when it comes to WrestleMania. But the best one of these is when John Cena comes flying off the top with a flying nothing and he gets hit with a Batista bomb. And look, it's the most rough and horrible thing you've ever seen in your life. But I actually think it added to it. I don't want no smoothness, I want death. So the large majority of this match is Big Dave, and by the end of it, he just decides, well, I do have this Batista bomb. So I've hit one, I've hit two, I've hit three, I've hit four. Maybe I just hit five and six and seven and eight, and he just keeps going for it. And eventually John Cena is able to reverse it into the STF with a hole so big I could have climbed through it, but it does have devastating powers. Big Dave has to tap out. Boy, howdy, did the crowd not like that. And actually, behind the scenes, there was a big argument going on. Who should win the match? Should it be Batista? Who should win the match? Should it be John Cena? Nobody could make up their minds. But I tell you what made up my mind. As soon as he has one, John Cena takes his brand new belt and he goes to those fans wearing the T-shirt saying, we hate you. And he just dances around. It's stuff like that that really made me like him. And while I wouldn't say this was a great match, I did think it was more than solid. And again, the sheer heat and the sheer noise from the fans means you are going to buy in and it's getting it up. Which, of course, brings us to The Undertaker versus Shawn Michaels round two, streak versus career. And the Ferregga argument is always going to be, well, was this better than the WrestleMania 25 match? And I'll give you the answer. Who the flub cares? Because they are just two brilliant back-to-back classics. And if you are a wrestling fan, you absolutely need to watch them both. But sure, if I had to pick, I'd pick the one from 12 months prior to this. But that's like me going, oh man, I had some cookie dough ice cream. Now I've got to have some fudge brownie ice cream. I'm still pretty pleased. I'm not even sure how we approach this because I'm sure you already know. The chemistry between these two guys is absolutely redonkulous. And once again, as we've already said, it's one of the best matches in WrestleMania history. I mean, they go through all the spots that made them heroes to begin with, but also throw in some crazy things like Shawn Michaels springboarding to the outside, but The Undertaker catches him and gives him a tombstone on the floor. I mean, if you did a tombstone on the floor in real life, somebody gonna be dead. You also have the story that HBK is working over Taker's legs, so when he goes for moves such as the last ride, he's like, oh, I can't do it because of my leg. And then again, because it is WrestleMania, magically his leg starts working and he does hit the move. I know I said that with some attitude in my voice, but let's not pretend it doesn't work because Shawn Michaels eventually kicks out of that powerbomb and then The Undertaker is kicking out of this awesome looking sweet chip music and it annoys the heartbreak kid so much he puts The Undertaker on a table and he does a moonsault from the top, smashing through this thing. I mean, it really is great. They soon get back in the ring and it's just so superb with the transitions and the reversals and the magnetism and everybody going, crazy and then Shawn Michaels gets hit with another tombstone but he gets kicked out and that's when you start going I think this guy is going to lose because we're going to make him look super duper strong in doing so and you get the bit when he's climbing up the Undertaker but the Undertaker's going stone down stone down it's just two veterans that completely know what they're doing it gets even better still when Michaels cuts his own throat and Undertaker's like uh uh-uh, uh boy you don't go into my yard and do my taunts not in my face and he gives him this jumping tombstone which honestly I don't know how you do it. I don't know how you protect somebody's head. I don't know how you protect someone's brain. But he slams Shawn Michaels down. He gets the pin. Undertaker then falls on his back like, oh, I'm completely spent. Five star classic. It's also the perfect way to finish off because nobody should ever kick out of that move. And after The Undertaker has left the ring, you get all the nice times with Shawn Michaels and he's crying going, thank you so much. And the fireworks are going off. I mean, you really couldn't ask for a better send-off. And it is, of course, Shawn Michaels' last match, and he never returned to anything. And given that he is one of the best wrestlers ever, 
you gotta say fair play. And when you do couple it up with last year too, forget about it. It's just an all-timer all around, and that's why it doesn't just get an up. It gets the golden up. And as always, I leave you with Dave Meltzer's Wrestling Observer rating. So if you're mad at me for some of my opinions, hopefully you can side with Uncle Dave. The opening tag team match got 0.5 stars. Randy Orton versus Rose versus DiBiase got 2.75 stars. The Money in the Bank got 3.75 stars. Triple H versus Sheamus got 3.25 stars. Punk versus Mysterio got 3 stars, which is pretty good given it only got 6 minutes. Bret Hart versus Vince McMahon got a not rated, which I completely understand. Chris Jericho versus Edge got a 4 stars. The women's match got a dud. Cena versus Batista got 3.5 stars. And of course, one of his most controversial opinions ever, Shawn Michaels versus The Undertaker. 4.75 stars. Ooh, delally. And as already stated, I would have given it five stars. I don't think how you can't, but that's why it's great that we live on planet Earth, because everybody sees it differently. And of course it gets an up. Even if the rest of the card had been crapped, that main event alone, it is terrific. 